Silencer Central. Folks, if you want to learn something new right alongside me, check it out at SilencerCentral.com. I've never put a suppressor on any of my weapons, but I'm going to start now. And I'm using Silencer Central to help get me started because they walk you through the whole process. To include, you can ship the rifle to them, they'll thread it, they'll put it on, and they will ship it back. And you can make payments on the whole thing while you wait for all the licensing to get approved, which they take care of for you. It's a great process, and it's a great company, American manufacturer, right there in South Dakota, and we are really excited to be partnering with them. So check it out at silencercentral.com or give them a call at 888-781-8778 and let them know that you heard it on the Western Huntsman. Hoffman Boots is my go-to boot i love the explorers in the eight inch and they've got the vibram sole totally waterproof no break-in period they just glue your feet to the mountain you can't ask for more out of a boot and you don't have to break the bank to get a pair so check it out at hoffmanboots.com again another american company uh, local north idaho friend of mine who runs this company decided to make some great hunting boots for all people that are serious about getting into the backcountry to chase elk and deer and bear and everything else out there so check it out at hoppinboots.com use promo code all caps lock huntsman 10 at checkout to save you 10 percent back by popular demand my friend Jaden bales there exists a threat from anti-hunting groups to politicians trying to give our land away and we won't stand for it Those vast western landscapes provide the space for our wildlife to thrive and a place for hunters and anglers to fuel the fire that sparks their soul. In this show, we share our love of hunting, fishing, and conservation. Here, we provide the foundation to meet these threats through passion and the grit of the American outdoorsman. Welcome to the Western Huntsman Podcast. We're rolling. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this episode of the Western Huntsman Podcast. This is Jim Huntsman, your host, coming at you from the Broken Time Studio right here in Clark Fork, Idaho. Sorry about the hiatus, guys. I uh, had a, I actually had two episodes lined up for last week, and uh, both of those recording sessions got delayed, and uh, so I didn't have anything to put out last week. I thought about just jumping on and talking to myself for a minute, but I don't know. It just doesn't feel right, so it gets lonely here in the Broken Tines. This week, I've got my buddy Jaden Bells. He is with the Wyoming Wildlife Federation. If I can, uh, that's kind of a tongue twister, Jaden. Can you say that fast like 10 times? <laughs> we just call it WWF. WWF. <laughs> yeah. You guys need like a really cool theme song or something for with it being WWF. But <laughs> We're going to um, do it. We're yeah. going to do a t-shirt with uh, a pronghorn wrestling a panda here. I like it. <laughs> what's, what's the story with the panda, though? So that's the World Wildlife Foundation or Federation. Oh, that's right. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we were first. You were (laughs) first. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I always like getting you on the show, man, um, because, uh, you know, we, you you guys, you're kind of, you're, now you're the executive director, right? Uh, I, I'm the communications director. Communications director over Uh at WWF. And uh, Mm -hmm. I'm on the board over here at the Idaho Wildlife Federation. Um, And, 
so it's kind of cool having, you know, our, uh, I don't know. Would you be considered our sister, cousin, or brother organization? <laughs> Which one do you want to identify as? I don't know. In uh, in Northern Idaho, can I be all, all of the above? Dude, you totally can. <laughs> you totally can. I, I like uh, your thinking. <laughs> so, that's funny. Well, yeah, we're not picky. No, I'm kidding. Oh, that's funny. Um, So, well, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, thanks again for having me on. I, I really appreciate all the stuff you guys over there are in Idaho with Wild, Idaho Wildlife Federation. See, that's a tongue twister, too. Yeah, are doing is. And um, gosh, I think there's there's a lot of different wildlife federations. They all kind of have their own niche and their own things that they're all about. And, um, you know, I'd say Idaho and Wyoming are about the closest um, in the things that they work on and the things and the people that they represent. It's been uh, it's cool to, to be able to work with you guys when we can on, on national issues and stuff like that. So, yeah, yeah, no, no, I just, I appreciate awesome. you having me on again. Yeah, for sure, man. I, I like having you on and, and, uh, I don't know if you guys, cause you, you know, in IWF, I don't know if you know this, but Brian is on like this two month sabbatical. Do you guys have that kind of opportunity over there at WWF? <laughs> no, we were just debating whether we have enough, uh, salary to afford 10, 10 piece chicken nuggets at McDonald's today. So we're sabbatical a little further down the road. (laughs) He was supposed to come up and go turkey hunting with me a few weeks ago, but uh, apparently I I was not priority. And so (laughs) no, that's okay. Uh, Um, Well, I want to, uh, we got a lot to talk about today. I know Uh, I appreciate you squeezing me in at, uh, you know, I, I, you know, I normally don't do midday podcast recordings like this, so it's kind of different for me. Uh, there yeah, is. go ahead. It's my pleasure. I like them, uh, especially like this mid-afternoon time frame when we're doing them. I'm not. I usually end up getting distracted anyway, so I'd rather be yeah. with somebody and get some get some good ground ground covered in a good conversation um, than than waste away the day on the scroll or whatever. So it's uh, I'm yeah. down for it. It's not it's not a bad deal actually. I I like the morning ones because I'm like fresh and ready and I've got my mind mm-hmm. seems to be just working better or whatever, but. I, and I like the night ones if I'm going to have like a whiskey or something. But mm-hmm. the problem mm-hmm. is, is, you know, sometimes I'll set up a recording and that day I'll just get my teeth kicked in at work or something. And, you know, it's just kind of bogs you down, bogs the mind down. But um, mm-hmm. I heard you on Cody's podcast the other day uh, with your business idea. Oh, <laughs> my my hordes of business ideas. But yeah, we covered uh, my archery range idea on his uh, Rich Outdoors podcast. Yeah. Um, yeah, I always like to, you know, in all the free time, uh, I like to work on side projects and kind of always keep my entrepreneurial spirit going. So yeah, we, we just covered that uh, a couple weeks ago and nothing's mo- no movement on the archery range for land in Wyoming yet, but we're working on it. Well, I, I like, I liked Cody's take on a lot of that. And, uh, he's, he's just so like insightful with that kind of stuff. He thinks things through mm-hmm. on a deeper level that, cause I, I thought, man, when, when you were describing it to him, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, I got 26 acres here. I'm like, okay, wait a minute. That's a good idea. I could generate some extra revenue. I could set up an archery range down there, but now he's got me thinking about doing this whole, I could set up like 10 camp spots down there uh on on my property because we have like a lower lot right we're up 100 Mm -hmm. feet above it and because you could charge more and it'd be like an airbnb scenario kind of thing and and or or just one where people bring on their own rvs and 
And anyway, I, I got all these ideas rolling, and then all of a sudden my wife shut it down. She's like, you are not having people camp on our land. And she's worried <laughs> that, like, because I, I do have a couple of stalkers. Um, I don't know, if, what, like, what the deal is with that, but... Um, there there's like just weird people out there man and when and when you're kind of out there in the public you know it's to like the limited extent that i am right i can't mm -hmm. imagine like somebody like like even cody or or like steve ranella or somebody you know it's 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 a weird thought so she shut me down on that idea dude <laughs> that's funny yeah man uh you take it take the good with the bad when you do those kinds of projects i think it's uh I don't think there's ever one that's not going to be a pain in the butt or, you know, yeah. have its own drawbacks for sure. Well, um, just keep me posted. I think that's just, all, all the ideas you guys talked about, I think is a, is a really good idea. And so keep me posted on that, man. I'm interested in that kind of stuff. So, yeah, absolutely. will. and you know, it's one of the things that as I was looking at this idea and the different ways you could you know, build these kind of like 3d courses for archery, um, there's also a pretty good opportunity to like, and this kind of folds back into Wyoming Wildlife Federation to create like some uh, kind of outdoor skills classes and outdoor skills kind of workshops on those kinds of properties, right? When they're just being used for that kind of recreation. And, and that's one of the things that we do at Wyoming Wildlife Federation. And so I was like, oh, you know, I was trying to pitch it even to our executive director. Hey, look, if I get this property, we can run our or kids camps on this. You could, <laughs> man. You totally cool. could. You you could do yeah. you could do all sort it could be a venue for all sorts of events. You know, you, you could have uh like we do I and I'm actually not doing it this year. I have so those of you in North Idaho listening, you, you know, western Montana, sorry about this, but uh we're not doing the elk thing this uh seminar this year. Just circumstantially it got we all got me and Dirk both got too busy. So anyway, um but those those are really cool events, and and you need like a venue for them, and like mm -hmm. you know an elk calling seminar, or you know Dan Staten does his elk shaped camps. Uh, you know I've got a buddy Troy Pottinger, who is doing a mountain public land whitetail boot camp, and he does them every year, and it's like the most comprehensive public land whitetail boot camp that you'll ever go to. This thing is insane, and his wife cooks this big lunch, and uh, it's a cool event. Um, and it, a place like that would be perfect for for those kind of events, you know. And and you could you could probably generate revenue for WWF that way too. Um, oh, absolutely! You know, yeah. be a good good way to do that. So anyway, yeah, cool, man. Yeah, but by the way, that I just saw your post today about that whitetail boot camp, and that guy is just he's taking home some giant. North Idaho freaking whitetail. So like, and, I did not realize that those things are roaming around up there. <laughs> so they, and you know, what's crazy, man, is I get them on my cameras, but uh -huh. I, they're, it's always, they're always nocturnal. He, he's figured out how, because these are not, when you see those pictures, you think, oh man, he's hunting some private land and only he's got access to it or, or something like that. It's not the case. Mm -hmm. He goes, he goes and finds these spots and he tracks these bucks and it's, it's a multi-year process. Those bucks that he's got, he's got sheds from when they were, you know, spikes, basically. <laughs> and for for five, six, seven years, he waits these bucks out and just figures out their pattern. And, and he figures out how to build these mock scrapes and uh, uses the, the right sense to, to bring these bucks in. And, like, he puts a lot of effort into it. And he's one of the only dudes I know that, that does that. And he, he goes to, uh, he'll be in eastern Washington 
because Eastern Washington has some just tanks, uh, you know, when it comes to big whitetail buck. Um, and, and those, those North Idaho ones, uh, and, and some Western Montana bucks. Uh, but these are all public land bucks and he's got them dialed. And, uh, it's just, it's, it's amazing. You should have seen the buck. I don't know if you saw the buck he got this last year, but, um, there is no more solid, a whitetail mountain buck hunter that I know of outside of Troy Pottinger. Maybe, maybe my buddy, John Gabriel, he's pretty damn good. Um, (laughs) you know, Gabriel, Gabriel's got it down. But uh, but Troy, yeah, he's just an animal when it comes to these whitetail, man. It's 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 cool watching him. That's sweet, man. And I say it sure feels like a good time to be hunting whitetails. Uh, I know I'm I'm putting in for uh, my local whitetail tag again this year because it just is a, it's a great opportunity, um, especially with all of the negativity that could be said about maybe the state of mule deer or whatever, mm-hmm. um, depending on where you're at. Like, gosh, just. Chase some whitetails, man. Like they're definitely not doing too bad. There is no shortage of them, man. I, I mean, we it, it is, and I'm a mule deer guy at heart. You know, that's that's mm-hmm. what I grew up doing, and I love mule deer hunting. And I always thought when I, especially when I got up to this part of Idaho, I'm like, well, I guess you know, you know, you, you go hunt whitetail just like you hunt mule deer, kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. uh, of course, this is before podcasts and YouTube and all that stuff. And and uh, boy, was I wrong. And once I got into whitetail hunting in the mountains, dude, it is a, there is nothing like it. It is, it is totally different than what, like my perception of, of it was and what people told me it was, it is a freaking riot of a hunt. Uh, and like in Wyoming, you guys, you can, you can go chase them in like those river bottoms, can't you? Oh yeah. Yeah. I had a friend of mine, uh, he came from, uh, out of state last year, uh, and we killed what did we kill? Four of them in five days, four whitetails in five days. Cause we oh, had man. no tags. Yeah. And, uh, and one of them was a really nice buck and, and we were just kind of spotting stocking in the river bottoms. Just like you're talking about get kind of high, just a couple hundred, eight, five, six, seven, eight hundred yards off of the river bottom. Yeah. And you're glassing and you see them and then you just drop off these little bluffs and drop into there and get them. It's, it's, it's freaking fun. God, it is a riot, man. I, I had, I had, there was three like target bucks that I was after this last and it was the late archery december you know season here in idaho mm-hmm. and um the the three that i was after two of them specifically i mean these guys were just monsters i think i posted them on my instagram on from my camera um and i almost got one of those two and then this fourth one showed up on like the second to last day and he's the one i ended up getting i'm i'm happy with him but he was not the caliber buck that those other two were um and so it, it was it was cool, man. It, it was total luck too. He just kind of popped out of the trees while I was walking up with my <laughs> snowshoes on, and I was I was heading to the the. I had this. Uh, uh, I had a blind set up on this trail they were using, and he just popped up as I was heading up there. I the only thing I've ever killed wearing snowshoes. <laughs> <laughs> so that's pretty cool. Yeah. Oh, uh, well, cool. Yeah, anyway. we shoot. We could have done quite a bit of hunting, I think, this year in snowshoes across the West. We had so much snow hit the ground. Um, yeah. Pretty significant. I, I was interested in, again, going back to um, the Rich Outdoors, you were you were on there, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I was interested in your take on the winter kill, uh, the way you talked about that. And I'm kind of, I, I don't exactly know how you put it because, again, it's been, it's been a couple of weeks, but um, I was... Can you kind of describe your reaction to the winter kill in Wyoming that took place this year uh, and kind of give people an update as to what you think 
you know, yeah. give us a rundown, I guess. I think it's really easy when we see things uh, look bad from our human lens that we can like say like, well, they animals must have just gotten nuked. It was negative 40 degrees. Right. Or, uh, you know, you see a video on Instagram or whatever of a half dozen animals piled up under a tree and you're like, God, they're all dead. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I think when you look at the way that these critters make a living, um, they really only start to have a hard time making a living when it gets to negative uh, four degrees. Um, and even then they can find little shelter pockets and stuff and, and not do too bad. So our cold winter, our cold weather doesn't necessarily by itself kill the deer. It's usually the the high depths of snow and the inability to get down to the ground on. Um, and luckily, like if anyone's driven I-80, we sure get a lot of wind and that wind actually keeps a lot of the snow uh, off of some of these windswept ridges and those animals can get down there. Mm -hmm. So you'll talk to these, uh, the researchers in a lot of places around Wyoming this year and animals could get to the feed. Um, it was in pockets and it was like little isolated, you know, strips of ridgelines or whatever, but like the deer that winter near, um, superior Wyoming, which is part of this red desert to hoback migration. Um, they wintered uh, with just about average mortality, something like 86% or something like that survival um, compared and, and to the, yeah, it, go ahead. The 86%, I, I just want to like clarify, that's really good. That That's not like yeah. a terrible number. Um, so anyway, yeah, just in case yeah, somebody it, doesn't know how to put that into context, you know, an, an 86, 86% survival rate is, is actually fairly good. Yeah, especially, yeah, exactly what you're talking about. You're looking year to year, like, uh, even on a standard or even a light winter, you're going to lose 10 to 15% of your animals mm -hmm. um, just naturally. Like, I mean, that's just the way of the world. So when you're running that same amount in a hard winter, you know that they had good feed and um, they were able to, you know, make a living on these windswept ridges. Um, and the places, though, that did get clobbered, right, like Bags Country didn't have as much wind and there was a pile of snow down there. Um, the Wyoming range and kind of out by Evanston, um, that kind of three corners, uh, with Idaho and Utah, that stuff got clobbered. And yeah. there's, again, that lack of wind actually was something I've talked about, um, with a handful of people who live in that country and they noticed there wasn't much of it. And so it was just deep snow and kind of relentless winter. Um, you know, last time they reported in that Wyoming range herd, uh, they have two, uh, they have a bunch of deer collared. But they have 200 in particular that are part of this focal deer, focal herd deer study, and they're looking at 47% adult survival, and that's bad. Like yeah. that's pretty catastrophic, right? Yeah. Like, but again, it's like you gotta you gotta look the whole picture if you're trying to make this like grand statement about how the winter went. And one to two, maybe three herds of 37 in Wyoming got clobbered. Is that are those herds are they in, are they in the like the units where they're cutting back on tag sales this year? Mm. Now that's a that's kind of a different conversation in some ways because um, a lot of managers um, and the public uh, pushed hard for tag cuts this year because uh, there's a lot of places where the impact of that winter is just kind of like in an unknown phase, right? Like bags in particular. Um, there was not collared deer there. And so basically people are really like, oh man, like what if we just totally had the same, uh, 
situation as we had in the Wyoming range. We really need to be conservative. And so there's a big push for that this year just to be super conservative. So I think what, you know, as a non-resident or resident or whatever, you see all these tag cuts and a large, a large part of that is just uh, managers being super conservative without having much information. Um, The cool thing is, you know, like related to pronghorn, they're going to go out and do these flights this next month or two and they'll be able to find out actually how many pronghorn are on the landscape after this winter. And um, obviously they're not going to make a tag change for 2023, but it'll be really informational to see how things actually did this year versus what we kind of just expected that they did or like, you know, projected that they did without any real data or real information to back it up. Do they do those aerial assessments or whatever down in Wyoming annually, or is that is that something that just by chance it's it's going on this year? Yeah, it's annual that they do the assessments, um, and some years they'll just like sample a herd, and then other every it's on a rotating basis that they do what they call like a sightability, where they like actually spend a whole bunch of hours. Um, so the biologists are spending a bunch of hours each year flying but they're picking a focal herd to do it on each year because gotcha. um, they couldn't do them all with the resources they have every single year. So it's like a sampling every year and then they dive in deep every handful. Huh? Interesting. Yeah. No, that's great information. I, I just like learning that kind of stuff. So my, my own well, sheer curiosity, brother. Um, <laughs> well, I think it's important for us to pay attention to. If I we're think so too. Right I think so too. I mean, a lot of people yeah. they're, you know, the, the, the thing with being a, a, a true committed hunter is having this kind of knowledge so that we know when hunting really is conservation versus when hunting is not conservation. You know, I, I and I think that knowing that and understanding that, like my buddy Chris Rowe out there in Kansas, their turkey numbers are way down and, and like the state's not doing anything to adjust the number of tags that are available. So he made the decision on the land that he guides on and, you know, is, is runs like this outfitting service on, uh, that they're not going to be doing any turkey hunts, um, or, or they're going to be limiting it to one client or, or something like that. It's, it's majorly, uh, reduced. And, and I think that more hunters, more sportsmen, we need to have kind of that mindset where we're, we're in the know, like, like it's crazy to me that Chris is going through that because, I was telling you before we recorded, I haven't even been out turkey hunting yet. Uh, I took the girls out for a couple hours once. But th- does that mean I can't kill a turkey? No, man. I could drive from here to the closest gas station and, and fill both of my tags in five minutes by road hunting, right? Mm-hmm. But that's not how I like to turkey hunt. So uh, it's not like we have a shortage of tur- turkeys here. But that's not going to be the case everywhere. And so just, I, I just, I don't, I don't know. I like, I like the awareness that uh, that's one thing I love about podcasts, man, is you, you get this broad awareness of all things in different States and different regions, different units, and, and just like a better and deeper understanding of, you know, what the wildlife is doing and what they're not doing and, and how well they're doing. And um, it's, it's good stuff. Yeah, man. I, I like that stuff too. And that's why I like to listen to some of these other podcasts you're doing and in other podcasts that are out there talking about these different conversations because just like you're talking about um you know there's and this is something i'm i'm kind of developing thoughts around but basically there's like two types of hunting there's hunting as a funding tool for wildlife management and there's hunting as conservation and like hunting as conservation would mean going out and shooting some cow elk where they're a thousand elk over objective and um are hard on 
the habitat, right? Yep. Uh, but hunting as a funding mechanism is going out and looking for a big bull or a big buck mule deer, whatever, right? And mm-hmm. and uh, creating that experience, its own its own recreational value, and paying for that license. Yeah. So yeah, I think it's important that we decipher what we're what hunt what our hunts are intended for before we ever go do them. Yeah. Um, so you know what that is all about. Well, and that's, I think that's a big part of the conversation. We were talking about spring bear, um, you know, that having an awareness on your bear populations and where, you know, um, there's a lot that goes into it, especially predator species, because I, th- I think there's a lot of misconceptions about what conservation results come out of predator hunting. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, um, mm-hmm. so many people talk about, Oh, I, I, I saved a bunch of fawns because I, I got my black bear. Is that why you went hunting? Is that really why you went bear hunting? Couldn't mm-hmm. it be just the fact that you like to bear hunt and you went out and you, you notched a tag on a great bear and, and it's something to be proud of. And, and maybe you're, you're saying that because the bear's smaller than what you wanted, but like people don't say that when they're coyote hunting, they're like, oh, I know it's a small coyote, but Hey, I saved a fawn. Yeah. You know, you, <laughs> I don't think you did really, first of all, or well, maybe you did, but you're not like saving the deer population by killing a coyote and, and you're not, you're not saving mm-hmm. the, the, the elk fawns, um, on, on some great scale by killing a bear, just go out and enjoy the hunt. We have tons of bears. It, it, well, I, I'm speaking in my neck of the woods. Uh, we, we, we have plenty of bears and, and that's why we can bait. That's why we could do all these things here in Idaho. Just go out and enjoy it. And, uh, you know, if you're on a place like Montana, like just next door to me, shoot, they have tons of bears too. Um, you just can't bait, just go spot and stock. And it's pretty dang easy to call them in over there from, uh, what a buddy of mine just told me. So what's going on with your bear hunt, man? You've been out spot and stock, right? I, I didn't yeah. mean to cut that cover. If you have anything to add to that part, I just said, feel free. No, you, no. <laughs> No, that's, that's precisely, um, I, I think a lot of time we try to, uh, I, I don't know why we've gotten into that, uh, just kind of, it's almost like rhetoric, right? It's like, if you post an animal that you've killed, that's a predator, you're like, oh, I saved this thing. And I'm like, what? You, bear hunting or lion hunting or coyote hunting has its value on its own. It doesn't have yeah, to be supporting d- ungulates. It doesn't like, need to be a justification of saving something else. No, no, it can just be fun. And, you know, for the most part, like people are using the hides and doing stuff with them or eating the meat if it's bears and lions in particular, you know, and it's like, it's, it's got just as much value as the rest of this stuff. And, um, it's been a big point of conversation in Wyoming lately because, uh, coming out from this winter, um, people kind of have this knee jerk reaction like, yeah, we gotta, you know, we need to reopen our, uh, predator kind of our predator quotas. And, um, because we want to save these animals, save these wildlife. And I'm like, well, we're, we're trying to save animals that have already died from the winter. Um, so that's not going to be very effective. Uh, and if you look at like what the intended purpose of maybe reducing predator numbers of like, uh, increasing some fawn production or calf production or whatever the case is, it's just like a lot more dynamic than mm-hmm. just if you increase the quota, a couple on black bears, that's not going to have the intended effect that um, people are hoping for. Um, so anyway, it's just yeah. really interesting. That, that's totally part of the conversation right now in Wyoming. Um, but, uh, you know, the other thing is, like, there are there's some pretty good scientists, in my opinion, um, doing good studies on, like, bear densities and lion densities. And um, now it's, like, pretty nascent. It's pretty early in 
the uh, biology of like knowing how accurate it is or isn't. But, uh, you know, like getting a good idea of, of densities of animals, I think, is probably as important as and, and making actual informed decisions about what we're doing is probably as important as just saying nuke them all. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, for sure. What have you been seeing but, out, out bear hunting so far? Have you seen any bears or. So uh, around my house where I, where I bear hunt, it's probably five to seven days a year uh, per bear <laughs> when I'm spotting stalking, mm-hmm. it takes, a, it takes a while to turn them up. Um, and I kind of had this honey hole that the last uh, three years in a row I've, I've seen and, and or shot at bears uh, in the same spot um, the first week of May. But I've been goose egg this year, so uh, haven't seen a bear yet. And um, that's okay. I, you know, it's kind of to be expected when you've got so many variables like a late winter and still snow and not much green up yet. Um, so we'll just – I'm kind of – trying to be patient and keep my mind in the game of like, you just got to be up there glassing or else you'll never see one, you know? Yeah. So, oh um, yeah, man. I, well, yeah. I think, I think the late winter has, does have a lot to do with it. You know, I, I haven't hardly seen the bears are just starting to move here. Like, like really starting to move. And you know, and, and this is what I was telling you before uh, we hit record. There is, I, I mean, I don't even bother bear hunting until about May 15th, just because like in order to get into the country that I like to hunt bears, you have to wait for the passes to clear. And, mm-hmm. you know, um, they're just, they, they just haven't been, there's, they're starting to get clear now. There's a few passes. I, I think I can get into my one bait site. Uh, I don't think I can get into my second bait site yet, but another week I should be able to. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I don't stress until about mid May. In fact, I am, I am just barely about to put in my, cause I'm baiting. Um, I will go up into a unit where there is no baiting. There's it's spot and stock, um, but mm-hmm. it, there's still just too much snow up there. So probably won't do that right now. But uh, I I'm just about to put in my order for uh, Beatum 907 to to get all the all the stuff here, and I'll set a barrel probably into next week, and hopefully by the week after that I can get to my second bait site. I like that. So do you guys when you kill a bear do you have to check them all in? Yeah, yeah, you yeah, you gotta you gotta check them in. You get um, what do they call that? You pull. I know you pull one of the one of the, the premolars, maybe. Yeah, the premolar. But the what was the other part of that? I can't remember if we have to take the hide in or not. Anyway, yeah, you you do. It's pretty easy. Like here where I'm at, there's a gas station that you can actually take the premolar to, and you fill out some paperwork, and that's all you do. Like, nobody actually comes out and checks. In fact, the lady, when I when I went in last year, I had to do it twice last year, and she's like, uh, she didn't even know what she was doing. She's like, I think you just give me this and give me a tooth, and we're good. I'm like, okay, here you go. <laughs> and that's that. what do you guys have to do? Well, when I killed bears in Oregon, it was like you take it to the game and fish office. and The whole, um, that's the whole, what- the whole bear? Uh, mine was just hiding head, if I remember right. Mm. And, um, uh, it's been, a, it's been quite a while since I did that, but, uh, in Wyoming, it's a hands-on bringing your bear head and hide to the game and fish office here. And they keep a running tally because we operate on female mortality limits. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they basically check in each bear and, uh, to this point, man. So, I mean, we're recording just like, uh, what day is today? The ninth, ninth, yeah. like that. Yep. Um, 
it, the season's been open for almost a month in some places. It, it opened uh, April 15th. Yeah, in, here too. Uh, some zones. And Wyoming has killed eight bears across the state. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it's that's low, a, man. It's been a, those are, yeah. I told my buddy Joey, I was like, those are some April 20th numbers here. So <laughs> it's just a slow start. Yeah, we're like that too, yeah. man. I've got, I've got a couple of buddies that are posting up some you know, pretty, pretty good bears. Uh, but like, I just, I, I don't, you know, I like, I like to wait till they start coming into season, you know, that early June, mid June, the big bears start showing up, uh, you know, and, and I'm lucky in, in the two units that I, I mostly hunt and specifically I bait for them. The, the big guys don't show up till mid June and we have till the end of June. Now, most of the West, I know, by like the 15th of June, bear season's done. Spring bear mm-hmm. is done. Uh, we do have the advantage of that extra two weeks up here. And so maybe that's part of why I don't, I don't get too, too excited. But like my buddy, Nate, he had a, he had a pretty good bear show up the other day on his site. Uh, but for the most part, it's still pretty quiet. And, you know, season opened here on the 15th too. I don't, I don't know how many bears Idaho's put down yet, but um, I know somebody got a pretty good one uh, just across the border here in Montana from me. Um, but yeah, I, yeah, it, it's coming. It's coming for sure. Yeah. I've got a funny story and I hope he, I don't care, I guess if he listens, but I hope he does because I'm throwing him under the bus, but my little brother, <laughs> my little brother, he's got a spring bear tag in Oregon and, um, he's chomping at the bit to get out. And, um, obviously things are a little lower elevation. There's a little less snow on average, mm-hmm. um, where he's hunting in Eastern Oregon. And, um, he was really chomping a bit at the bit to get out there. And I was trying to East scout with him and it was, it was, I was excited for him to get out and go bear hunting. And, um, he went up there and he drove through this, uh, Creek, uh, that normally is a pretty easy, you know, pickup drive through the Creek and you keep going up the Canyon and he drove up and then he gets up a ways, I don't know, maybe 30 minutes later and realizes, man, this next Creek crossing is just a little too deep. I should probably turn around. And so by the time he turns around and goes back to the first creek crossing, the water has come up substantially. Oh, no. It's just now it's just now hitting that like warm part of the day and that that runoff is coming pretty good. And I think um there was uh, I'm piecing together the story here kind of secondhand, but I think he got a little nervous and gunned it and when he gunned it, the uh the water came up and over and um got into his air air intake oh. and shut his diesel truck down in the middle of this pretty big creek. <laughs> so oh, man. Him and his wife are sitting there and they're like, oh no. You know, it's like a pretty it's a pretty nice diesel pickup he's driving and uh they crawl up out of the sunroof and sitting in the back of the pickup until her uh her dad shows up with a, a recovery truck and they pull that thing out. But uh, oh, good. yeah it was a good lesson for him to learn, man. He was like, oh, man. And I'm, it could happen to any of us, right? Trying to push it, getting into these spring totally. spots, you know? But, uh, yeah, he said he's still waiting on some parts to make sure he does it right and gets his, you know, gets all the water out. And, uh, he had to air out his cab because there was water in the cab. And oh man. It was bad deal. But, uh, yeah, anyway, it's... hopefully that'll be a good lesson for somebody else. Don't push it. Yeah. <laughs> don't push it. Not, don't push it. That ended. That ended well for your your brother. But man, that, yeah. that it could get dangerous fast when those. It's amazing 
the difference the, the creek levels can be from morning to you know just like literally a few hours later um yeah and and it can you know it could be really dangerous so i'm glad i'm glad he got it out of there but what kind of truck was it oh it was like a yeah shit he's gonna be mad at me for not remembering it's a it's a nice full-size pickup i mean it's probably, uh, probably a dodge and that's why it got <laughs> yeah. stuck but <laughs> <laughs> I actually think I actually think it is. <laughs> I've been making fun of Dodges on this show for going on four years. <laughs> uh, it totally is. Yep, it's a Ram. It's a Cummins. Yeah, yeah. I figured. I figured. If he uh, had a power stroke, it, that river would have it would have damned itself in fear and let him cross. <laughs> uh, I'll tell him you said that. You're gonna kick out of it. <laughs> Do it, man. <laughs> Well, shoot. Um, tell me a little bit about Wyoming Wildlife Federation, what what they're doing with this uh, commissioner tag raffle that's coming up, uh, and let's let's kind of walk through that a little bit. Yeah. So in Wyoming, um, just in case folks don't know the the backstory here, uh, each commissioner um, that helps make seasons and directs the department what to do, each commissioner gets seven tags to give away to nonprofits in the state. And then those nonprofits can use those tags to make money for their mission. Um, and uh, we received a commissioner's tag from a new commissioner this year named Rusty Bell. He's out of Gillette. Um, and he wanted to support some of our habitat work. So um, uh, we're doing uh, habitat uh, improvements this year uh, with some of the, not, not some of, with the funds we make off of our commissioner's tag. And the commissioner's tag itself, when the holder has it, um, they get to choose any single uh, deer or elk or pronghorn hunt in the state and go on that hunt next year. So um, it's about the only way you can skip the line and the draws um, and go on these like really coveted hunts, you know, like the so, red desert elk hunts, late buck hunts, that kind of thing. So that would be for season 2024? 2023. It's oh, for this, also fun. this yeah. year. Okay, cool. Yeah. Sweet. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's stuff like uh, – that Dubois buck hunt is really popular for commissioner's tag hunters. Um, I went on uh, two different uh, guys' commissioner's tag hunts in the Ferris Mountains last year for elk. Uh, God, that was that was a blast. And um, both of them killed bu- uh, bulls in back-to-back days. and It was a hoot. So, um, yeah, this is a really good opportunity. Um, and the Wyoming Wildlife Federation uses that, like I said, just straight into our habitat projects and our habitat programs. So we're trying to you know, remove fences where they're obsolete or not wildlife friendly so they can get across the ground easier or put in um, some water uh, improvements and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, I'm pretty excited. I, I like this stuff, too, because I usually get a follow along on the hunt that uh, the person wins. So, yeah, uh, I get to live vicariously through them on these like really, you know, really awesome hunts. It's can cool. you, can you that because you work for WWF, can you buy these uh, raffle tickets? <laughs> I buy them from other organizations. I can't buy oh, them from WWF. Yeah. That freaking, so. that there is a mule deer. Like you guys listening, if you get, if you jump on wyomingwildlife.org slash dream dash big, uh, it, it basically, it pulls up the dream big commissioner tag raffle. They're 50 mm-hmm. bucks. Uh, that mule deer is ludicrous, man. I would have a tough time if I won that. I, I don't know if I'd pick mule deer or elk. I, I don't I think I'd add- do proghorn, but. <laughs> I'll have to add some more photos too, because uh, I from that commissioner's tag hunt. I, I haven't added those photos this year with the elk, um, but man, 
I think personally, like the winter missed some of those um, good late rut hunts in Wyoming. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and I think it'd be, it'd be a, it'd be a good year to go after deer. And that being the sleeper, you know, I think uh, a lot of guys are probably going to go for elk and they always have, uh, I think all of them that we've raffled or that I've been around that we've raffled, um, have all gone with elk actually. Um, and but that's I, just the money species. It seems, you know? Yeah. I think I would too. It, like, I'm just thinking if I, cause I'm buying some of these tickets. I, is there a limit how many you could buy? No. I, so I'm going to buy, I, I'm, I, I don't have a ton of money, but I'll, I'll, I'll buy like two or three of them at least the, uh, <laughs> cause I, I'd be super curious. Well, I, I'd probably pick elk, but that buck, I don't know what it, what it would score, but that buck that's on there, I, I will never have an opportunity like that. Like just think, locally, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. If I remember right, that one scores like 193 or something. Um, That's kind of uh, about what I thought. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and there's some real dang good deer that come out of there. Uh, and that's that Dubois late hunt. I was just looking at it and I don't mean to blow up this Dubois late hunt because, um, it's kind of, the cat's kind of out of the bag, right? It's like the Henry's in the pond. So like Utah or something, right. But, um, <laughs> this, uh, I was, I was looking at the, uh, the drawing odds for a non-resident and they were, um, there were one in 900 if you entered the, the tag draw and don't have maximum preference points. Wow. And so your odds, your odds are tough. just as good with this, <laughs> this commissioner's tag raffle as they are with, uh, putting in, in the normal draw. Yeah. They're better actually. It'd probably be better. And your, you know, your money's going to support conservation efforts and, and whatever. And, and I just think that's a, that's a really cool way to go. I, I, uh, I was like vaguely aware of this whole program you guys do. Uh, but you know, just knowing it now, like any of you guys listening, whether you're in Wyoming or one of the other Western States or hell, I don't care if you're in Pennsylvania. Um, the, this would be a great tag to draw, um, for, for a great cause. I, I'm a big fan of the wildlife federations across the country. Um, I think I think it's a it's a group that does a lot of good good things for us as out outdoorsmen, stewards of the lands, uh, sportsmen, just in general. Um, so it's it's a great place to put your money. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah, last year we had a guy uh, win this tag who uh, went on his first elk hunt ever, and he was from Florida. So yeah, <laughs> and he got a great and he got a great bull. Um, so it's definitely you know especially for guys who feel like they're behind in the in the tag application games, it's a good way to get another chance in there. Like I said, I play the game too, man. I, oh, I, I totally, uh, I bought some bow hunters in Wyoming tickets, uh, and some American bear foundation tickets this year. Cause I'm kind of addicted to playing these games myself. <laughs> I know, man, I'm just, I'm just not that lucky. Like I should put my wife in. She always wins stuff. <laughs> she, we went to the mule deer foundation banquet the, the other, a few weeks ago. Um, and dude, she cleaned house. And I never win. I, I like rarely win that kind of stuff. But I feel like that's because just like the karma is building up and I'm going to win one of these raffle, these commissioner tags, because I want to read real quick just off the website here. Because um, obviously, listeners, obviously we're trying to promote this, right? So um, that's that's why we're having part of this discussion here. Um, so it says, what are my odds and what prizes could I win? It says each ticket holds a chance of winning a prize with a maximum of a thousand tickets sold. The prizes are uh, commissioner license, 
which again, you can pick pronghorn, deer, elk. Uh, that's, that's a license. First light kit, wick hoodie. Un, I'm not even going to try to pronounce that. We call jacket. that one the, un, the unpronounceable jacket. Yeah. What the hell is that? <laughs> Uncompagre? Yeah, it's like the Uncompagre Plateau that's down in Colorado. Gotcha. Yeah, but the Uncompagre jacket, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so not not super smart here. Uh, and, and some guide pants. And then there is the Argali Outdoors Field Kit. What is that? That's a knife and a... I should really write that full thing out. It's a knife from Argali and it's their game bags. Um, so you've got like the whole kill kit put together for you. Um, Sweet. From Yeah. And that's like a couple hundred dollar kit, kit right there. And then the lacrosse footwear gift cards. Yeah. I think I've got two or three of those that I'm going to give out. Um, I, uh, I actually was ha- uh, luckily uh, part of this kind of boot development project with lacrosse and we put made a kind of mid season mountain boot with those guys. So I've got some gift cards for those. Uh, they're called the Ursa. Um, so we've got some Ursa gift cards for people to, um, to use with lacrosse as well. And then it says there will be an official drawing of the winners for all three prizes on July 1st, 2023 via Instagram live at 12 PM noon mountain time. And if all tickets sell out before them, an alternate date will be chosen. So do you have to be present for that Instagram live? No, no, totally not. No, not at all. Um, it's fun if you are. And, and oh, watching, I see. But a, a personal phone call or email will be made to all the winners. Okay. Yep. Sweet. Yep. It's fun if you can pay attention and watch with us because uh, usually people, we, we call the winner um, during the live deal and, see if they pick up for us or with us. And uh, if they do, that's kind of fun. Um, usually people lose their noggins, you know, because oh, it's really sweet tag. So. I'd be stoked, yeah. man. That'd be badass. So if I win, are you going to go with me? <laughs> oh, yeah, dude. You, you name, the, name the hunt, I'll be there. Okay. Okay. I'll as, have long to... as, it doesn't, as long as it doesn't conflict with my sheep tag this year. No, nah, don't worry about your sheep tag. Just tag along <laughs> with me. did you draw one i actually did i kind of said that tongue-in-cheek but uh we have (laughs) really (laughs) yeah congrats man that's awesome yeah my significant other jess johnson she also got it uh and so it's like seven percent draw odds on these sheep tags Mm -hmm. um and we each got one so i don't know what the odds of that are somebody told me it was a half percent but um so yeah, we've got nice. uh, some of that coming up, but that's what I was saying. It, if it's outside of that, I'll go with you on this. <laughs> that's <laughs> awesome. Is there, is there anything else you want people to know about the commissioner tag, the raffle, the process, what it helps, anything like that? Or did we cover it all? Uh, we did a good job, I think, covering it, but I did want to make one final plug though for these habitat projects. Okay. Um, it's uh, on the homepage. Uh, if you want to get involved in habitat projects, let's say you live in, Salt Lake City, or you live in Eastern Idaho, or Northern Colorado, or whatever, someplace that's relatively close. Um, we've got a whole host of habitat projects that we're looking for volunteers to help us execute on. Um, a big one is like the Bags Migration Corridor Fence Modification. That's the end of June this year, um, and it's uh, it's in the middle of nowhere. So we're going to have people camp out and. Uh, it's year two of a probably five or six year project to modify and remove 17 miles of fence, uh, in that mule deer corridor. So, 
um, that's a fun project coming up and there's a whole bunch of others. If anybody wants to try to get involved in some of these things, um, and they don't win their commissioner's tag. <laughs> yeah. 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 So you got, you guys are just going to be down there removing how many miles of fence? So we've got 17 total that wow. we need to remove. Um, so it kind of, it's all this old sheep fence. It's woven wire sheep fence that is no longer being used for sheep grazing. It's all, uh, if there's any grazing in that area, it's all, um, just cattle. Yeah. Um, so, and that sheep fence, man, pronghorn can't crawl under it. And, uh, it's really easy to get tangled up in if you're a mule deer or an elk even. That's um, that stuff so. that's like the bigger mesh kind of fence. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. I, I've put up, I've put up miles of that when I was a kid. So <laughs> and yeah, now we're tearing it all that. down. Yeah. Well, it was, it was in Utah, not, not Wyoming, but I wonder, I'm curious now if that stuff's still there, but anyway, no, that's, that's good, man. That's, that's a great project. I know, I know the prong, the pronghorn have a tough time getting, getting uh, under a fence and especially mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. So that's, that's uh, definitely a value for sure. Um, and in the meantime, you're going to be getting a bear, right? Yeah, man, that's, uh, that's next on the list. I will say we're, I, I've got a good friend of mine who's going to come out and we're going to do a backpack on at the end of the month. Um, so I'm excited for that just to get out and stretch my legs, uh, and, uh, hopefully glass up some bears in, um, you know, what we were talking about earlier, um, you know, we've heard from multiple people that there's just an excess of bears in this one part of the state. So we're going to go backpack in there and see if we can't turn one up, um, go where there's a bunch cool. of them. Maybe hopefully my one, my one bear per five days of glassing is shortened down because it's only a three day trip. <laughs> nice man. So, and you're going to so. be, you'll be rifle hunting, right? Yeah, yeah, we want. Yeah. yeah, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna go back and forth depending on the bait bait site. Uh, and obviously, if I'm if I'm spotting stocking up north, that's gonna be a rifle hunt. And I'm waiting. Uh, I should. I'm hoping to have my suppressor. Uh, I linked up. We linked up with um, Silencer Central, and so oh, yeah? I'm, I'm getting a suppressor put on uh, the 6.5 Creedmoor Savage, and uh, pretty excited about it because the, apparently, like. You make a you make a long shot, and let's say it doesn't it doesn't go right where you want it to go. With the suppressor, it's gonna it's just gonna like make it so the bear isn't gonna know exactly where it came from, right? Um, mm-hmm. And so you'll you'll have a much higher chance of getting a second shot off. So that's that's why I'm excited. I've never used one before, so uh, I'm kind of learning, but th- it's gonna be pretty exciting uh, because it, when I'm on the bait barrels, I'm I'm probably gonna go. Uh, I'll probably be up there with a bow. Uh, so. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Going to be a good That's time. That's great, man. Yeah. I, uh, I saw, I witnessed it for in person last year. A buddy of mine shot a, a mule deer buck uh, that I was sitting with. Um, and he shot and missed his first shot. And those deer kind of just like walked a little bit and were just looking around, you know, it was cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, they didn't know where the sound came from. And then he shot and dropped him. So, yeah. Uh, yeah what, I mean, uh, what silence essential can did you get? I, well, I don't know yet. I, okay. let me pull this back up because I don't have the different ones memorized here they have I've, I've got their new banished backcountry coming actually as you're talking about this okay uh, so that's i think the yeah. one i'm getting is the banish man how do i get rid of this pop-up <laughs> dude i am a monkey on my computer i cannot figure out there we go you, you got the backcountry yeah, I just got it, or I ordered it as soon as it came out back in November. 
And uh, I'm hearing from folks that they're getting cans right now that were ordered in in late September, early October. So I'm mm-hmm. probably a month out, um, I think. I'm pretty excited. I'm real excited. Okay, so the Banished Backcountry is the one I'm getting to. Nice. Yeah, so so let's see. Magnum, Magnum, I could be wrong. See, this is why, like, the guys at Eastman's just take care of that stuff for me, because I, I don't know shit about... There we go. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty sure it's a banished backcountry. Sweet. Uh, so so you'll, twins. you'll get yours. Are you going to be... Um, Are you going to send your rifle to Silencer Central to have them install it, or you, you just got somebody locally? I'll, I'll have someone help me out locally. I've already got it um, threaded. Um, and I'll just make oh, sure so it's you should timed. be good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Uh, I don't know if you have to time it like you do. I, I, like, I'm going to take it to somebody to make sure I don't screw it up because that'd be a big screw up. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll probably mine's threaded too, so uh, I, I'm going to take it in too, just just to be sure. Again, I I don't know, dude. You're talking to a guy that has been for most of my life. If I'm rifle hunting, it's with Grandpa's thirty thirty kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I, I'm not I'm not a big rifle guy, uh, so. I'm learning this whole thing, but I'm really excited about this because I'm, I I want to also get the the Banish two two three. I think is the one that you put on the AR fifteen, mm-hmm. um, for coyote hunting. Uh, and and I think it's important to point out though, like it's not a silencer doesn't make your your rifle silent, right? It doesn't it doesn't make it so that the the game doesn't hear it. It just disorients the sound so they don't know where it's coming from, and obviously it does reduce the sound. Mm-hmm. And reduces recoil, which is nice, right? Big time, yeah. So I want one for my my daughter's rifle too. Um. So anyway, yeah, no, that's cool, man. I didn't know you were getting one. I'm pretty excited about this. I I don't know much about them, and so it's like this new adventure kind of thing, you know? Yeah, I'm super excited too. It's um, I I continually so I've got a break on the end of my 300, and I continually forget or just get rushed and don't put in my my hearing protection. Mm-hmm. Like I shot the, I shot my bear last year without hearing pro in and my deer last year without hearing pro in. And I, it, it can't be good. It just can't it's be not, good for you. <laughs> it's not man. Uh, let me tell you, I, you know, I was in for almost five years, the Marine Corps infantry. And have you seen those ads pop up on like social media where they're like, Oh, yeah, there's some lawsuit for your hearing. If you wore the three M earplugs yeah. or whatever, that's bullshit. Like we didn't put those plugs in our ears. We didn't put any, anything in our ears. It, like whether we were on the range or we were in Iraq, we never wore hearing protection and, and I'm paying for it now, man. I have to get hearing aids. Uh, in fact, I'm like, I have, um, uh, a disability. They gave me a rating. Um, so like, whatever, I'm, I'm going to go get these hearing aids because I took my daughters out last year when uh in september and they're like yeah there's there's an elk bugling back there's an uh, didn't you hear that didn't you hear that i'm like they're not an elk bugling back and no they were right there was an elk that that answered me and i just couldn't hear it and it's certain pitches and so definitely you know the hearing protection if if you are in a situation you rifle hunt and that bear all of a sudden pops in gives you a good shot like you're not going to take the time to put hearing protection in take that bear down and if you have the suppressor, it's not going to be like this freaking thunder going off in your ears and you're going to be ringing for a week. And uh, like I have, uh, and I've heard people talk about it in two different ways, tinnitus or tinnitus. However you pronounce it, it sucks. <laughs> I have it bad. And so, um, yeah, cool, man. I'm excited for you. 
Thanks. And you too. I'm, I'm stoked to hopefully we uh, have a good can coming our way. Yeah. I, uh, I'm excited just for like the, I mean, shit, just being able to, like you said, hear a little better for the long term. Yeah. Um, so yeah, for sure. I might have to, I might have to get another rifle to, you know, like a six, five Creedmoor or something like 308 or something. That's like super short barreled, you know, cause I think even with these, uh, more Magnum rounds running a 24 inch or 22 inch barrel plus the six inch can on the end is a pretty long, long gun you're kept packing. So, yeah, it uh, would be, but yeah. I mean, it's, it, I don't think it's a, it's a terrible thing. If, if I had the money, I'd put one on my 300 wind mag for sure. Uh, cause I love my 300 and it's, it's done very, very well for me. But again, I, you, you know, I don't know, I'd say 70, 80% of the hunting I do is, is with a bow. So, uh, I don't know if I could justify spending the money on a second <laughs> rifle, <laughs> but I, uh, we'll see what the wife I agree says. with you there. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I, uh, I just bought new, uh, archery bullets. So, um, I hear you. It's, it all gets expensive when you try to be good at it all. I don't know that that's possible without, yeah. uh, being inherently wealthy. <laughs> it adds up, dude. We need to listen to uh, Cody's podcast a little, a little bit more and become, you know, have a little more spending cash. I got Cody coming on this week, by the way. He's coming on for school oh, of September. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's great, man. Yeah, yeah. he's a wealth of knowledge. Uh, him and I in, in my side gig are doing a uh, webinar next week as well. And are you? Um, that dude is just, like you said, wealth of knowledge on elk stuff. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I'm excited. I've been listening to his uh, elk, you know, Wapiti Wednesdays and stuff for a long, long, long time. So um, I'm, I'm really excited to get him on for school of September. I think he's going to be... Uh, like the the perfect added, um, I call them professors on the school of September. Uh, he, he's going to be a perfect addition to that lineup. So, well, yeah. brother, I uh, I think I promised you to keep it under an hour. Um, we're we're right about there. So, uh, the I just want to like reiterate r- real quick for the I keep wanting to say Silencer Central. Let me go back to the commissioner's raffle tag. <laughs> Dream Big Commissioner Tag Raffle. Guys listening, you can jump on wyomingwildlife.org and mm-hmm. hit that. Is is it live now that the the tag or I'm sorry, the it, tab to open up this page? It'll be on the home by the time people are listening to this, it'll be on the home page on the front slideshow. So okay. just look for it on the front slideshow on the home page, and that'll be the easiest way to get to it. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna link this in the show notes, guys, and jump on there if you're interested. Again, they're fifty bucks for a commissioner tag. It doesn't matter what state you live in, uh, but it's a hell of a tag to have for like if you just buy one, one entry and you win this, like that's that's the lottery. I, I mean, it's a great tag. So, um, and and check out the Wyoming Wildlife Federation, and it, also check out whatever Wildlife Federation is in your own home state. Uh, Idaho Wildlife Federation, you know, again, just whatever home state you're in, um, check them out. It's a good organization. Um, they do a lot of good things, especially Idaho and uh, Wyoming's. <laughs> I oh, that. boy. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I sure appreciate you having us on again and uh, talking Wyoming Wildlife Federation and our commissioner's tag and everything. So if anybody has any questions, like feel free to get a hold of me. Um, about any of this stuff, whether it's habitat and water improvements, the tag, uh, WWF work, or uh, or even just putting in for their applications for Wyoming this year. We got deer and elk still coming up, so mm-hmm. our deer and antelope for non-residents, deer, elk, and, and antelope for not uh, residents. So I'm excited. You, it's oh, be that's fun. right. Yeah, you guys are already d- done with the elk, right? 
What uh, Idaho non-residents are done. Yeah, yeah non-residents are done for the elk. Yep. Yep. But, and uh, I did not have enough points to put in. I think we talked about it last time you were on the on the show. I don't I don't I didn't have enough points to put in for Wyoming for elk this year, but I will next year, I think. I think. So I might I have like to pick it. your break brain on that one. But uh Idaho folks, residents and I believe non residents as well. I'm not totally sure how this works, but mm-hmm. the uh special draws are or application period is right now uh for Idaho. So if you guys have a unit you're trying to limited entry unit you're you're interested in, you gotta get that uh, put in by um I think June one, somewhere around there. Don't quote me on that, but uh during May, do it during May and you're safe. So Brother man. That's awesome. Thanks again for joining me. Stick on the line for just a minute. Sounds good. Thank you. You made it. That's the end of the episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. Please make sure you're following us on Instagram at the Western Huntsman and write us a good review at Apple Podcasts. Thanks, guys. See you next time. Stay Western, and I'll see you on the mountain.